from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you on this Thursday evening. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to do it, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And there's been another indictment. This time, it's the president's son, Hunter Biden. He was indicted today on a federal gun charge for trying to purchase a gun and lying on the application that he wasn't addicted to drugs or alcohol at the time. And he was. So my question is, will Hunter Biden face 10 years in prison for the gun charge? Uh, I don't know, a month ago, six weeks ago, we had uh, Doug Burns, former um, chief of the criminal division for the Department of Justice, former federal prosecutor who brought many cases like this. And he said that he brought cases like this and many, uh, many a person would get seven years on a charge like this. So let's see what happens. Uh, I, I have a feeling Hunter isn't going to do any time. They might give him this indictment instead of giving him just the diversion program. Maybe they'll indict him. He'll plead guilty to the charge and still get the diversion program with probably 10 years of probation or something like that. That's my guess. I could be totally wrong, but hey, you never know. My gut kind of tells me that's the direction it's going in. And last I checked, I still have a pretty decent gut, even though I'm in the gym. Now, voters... I don't think they're really going to care so much about Hunter Biden lying on an application to get a gun. I think voters care about their pocketbook. They care about the economy. They care about inflation. They care about feeding their families and going on vacations and putting gas in their cars and buying groceries. And these are things they do anyway. But they're doing it at a higher cost, at a premium. And this becomes exacerbated when you want to buy an additional property or you want to take even a loan, right? When the interest rates being so high, all of these things become very challenging. So I don't know the impact that the Hunter Biden indictment is going to have on anything. The, the charge has nothing to do with uh, Joe Biden other than, you know, he, he probably got a pass the first time around because his dad was president or whatever. I, I think this is the charge that they've chosen to actually charge him with because it really has no trails back to Joe El Baboso Biden, unlike the tax evasion charges and the other charges where where's he getting all this money? Right. I mean, it's not like Hunter Biden's an extraordinarily intelligent individual. And I don't know the guy. Never met him, never interviewed him. But I can just I could see how he operates his entire life. He's been kind of at his dad's beck and call right beside him. You know, his dad's saying, oh, you know, my son's got a firm here in town. My, you know, just sending. And again, nothing wrong with sending your kids in business. I really don't believe that. Uh, I believe that Hunter Biden just is in his own man. He didn't make his own way. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in family businesses. Uh, I just, I don't see him as someone that is extraordinarily enterprising. And to me, it seems that whatever money he has made came by way of his dad making some deals. So that's that one. We'll see how that plays out. Now we've got Biden helping the country that literally opens their sessions of parliament chanting death to the U.S., that's right, the Islamic Republic of Iran. 
Uh, the United States is now refunding those um, sanctions that they collected from Iran, $6 billion. We talked about it last night. We talked about it the night before. Tonight we're going to get reaction from an expert on Iran and uh, see what he says. I want him to weigh in on that. But it's fascinating, right? We're going to give money that we took from them as a punishment. We're going to give it back to them so that they can use it to build whatever type of weapons they want, nuclear weapons, work with whomever they want to hit whatever they want to hit, make a warhead, enriching the yellow cake uranium. I think they're at whatever 55 or 65 percent needs to be a little higher in order for them to actually be um, uh, nuclear capable. And they're on their way. Right. So. um don't go anywhere for that. We're doing that at the top of the next hour. But I want to talk about right now a little bit about Funny Willis. Funny Willis is the prosecutor in Georgia, the district attorney who's bringing all the charges uh, against uh, Trump and 18 others. And she wanted to try everybody in one big trial. And the judge today said no. Her request was denied today and separate trials are going to be required. So we'll get into that as well. Uh, probably right now, a little bit, maybe in about 10, 15, 20 minutes, we'll jump into that story a little bit with uh, with our first guest. And 2024 is shaping up. You've got a lot of calls to drop Kemalaitis, the vice president, Kemalaitis. And uh, there's even calls to jump Bi- uh, Joe Biden because he's too old. I don't know if either of those are going to happen. I'd love to see if something like that does happen. I have a feeling something's going to happen. I just don't know what. And And the suspense is killing me. So will it happen? I don't know. And Who's going to be on stage at the next uh, Republican debate in Miami? Right. Well, we're going to hear a little bit more about who's going to be on stage and who's fighting to be on stage because they're being pushed out from one of the presidential candidates. Um, he'll be joining us at 1130 Eastern time. That's uh, the bottom of the hour of hour number two. So keep it locked for that. There's a lot going on tonight. You don't want to miss any part of the show. If you can't, yeah, you should tune in for everything. It's, it's a lot we're going to cover. And uh the first topic I really want to dig into is Speaker McCarthy, right? He came out swinging today, doubling down on the impeachment inquiry. And I don't know, is he going to back down? Will this inquiry actually go to a vote for an actual impeachment hearing? I don't know. But here's what Speaker McCarthy had to say uh, to the reporters at the Capitol today. Congressman Issa said, came out and said that, that both Chairman Jordan and Comer were not able to present anything that was an impeachable offense at this point. Is that an assessment that you share? You know, we, impeachment inquiry is not impeachment. So what impeachment inquiry is to do is to get answers to questions. Are you concerned about all the stuff that was just recently learned? Do you have any concern? Have you asked the White House any questions? Yes. Okay. Do you agree that do you believe the president lied to the American public when he said he'd never talked to his son about business dealings? Yes or no? It's all right. You, you can't answer that? Do you believe when they said the president went on conference calls? Do you believe that happened? That's what the testimony Okay. Do you believe the president went to Cafe Milano and had dinner with the, with the clients of Hunter Biden who believes he got those clients because he was selling the brand? Okay. Do you believe Hunter Biden, when you saw the video of him driving a Porsche, that he got $143,000 to buy that Porsche the next day? Do you believe the $3 million from the Russian oligarch that was transferred to the shell companies that the Bidens controlled after the dinner from Cafe Milano took place? 
Okay, then I go back. Do you think the president lied that he, when he said... impeachable is lying and impeachable. Well, you want, you want to know... I'm not saying impeachment. All I'm saying is I would like to know, answer these questions. The American public ought to know, and that's what impeachment inquiry provides. So there's McCarthy, I think, laying it out extraordinarily well. Let me tell you, a lot of people like to hate on McCarthy. I think what he did right now was very effective, right? He literally, you know, if Trump were doing it, Trump would have said, you're fake news. You see the fake news in the back there? Because right? <laughs> he's so abrupt and he's so in your face, and I love that. But McCarthy took a different approach, and, and he walked the fake news media right through it, asking them, are you covering this stuff? Are you doing what you have to do? And I thought it was a, it was a good approach. And uh, we need more of that because it's that type of effective communication that's going to make it difficult or at least more difficult for them to spin what they're spinning. So I want to talk about impeachment. I want to talk about uh, the Trump case in Georgia. I want to talk about Hunter Biden's uh, federal gun charge and this indictment and what it really means. Is he really going to go to jail? Is anything going to happen? I don't know. Keep it locked right here. Straight ahead. We're going to jump right into all of that. Plus your calls. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. By the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. Thank I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, <laughs> even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? That's but right. But you're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Hey, go back to the first question of the briefing. I know you said not a lot's changed since yesterday, and that it's a personal matter. But from a presidential perspective, is there any possibility that the president would end up pardoning his son? No. I just said no. I just answered. Go ahead. Go ahead. Of course, that was uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre recently saying, no, the president will not uh, pardon his son, Hunter Biden. Let's see if she sticks to her word on that after today's indictment on a gun charge where there might be some time or is there really going to be any time? Well, anyway, I want to get into that with our guest. Mike Davis is the founder of the Article 3 Project, and he was a law clerk for Neil Gorsuch. He was the uh, chief counsel for the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he's here with us now. Mike Davis, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for having me. You bet. So let's let's dig in. I want to talk about a few things, but I want to start off with uh, this uh, Hunter Biden uh, indictment. And it, it seems to me uh, after they got caught cutting the sweetheart deal and uh, they said, oh, well, you can't do that. And if you can't have all sorts of immunity, then they said, all right, then we're just going to have to indict the guy. And maybe this will be like, um, you know, a diversion where people will pay attention, say, no, no, we did hold him accountable and we do follow the rule of law. And then they'll try and, you know, do whatever they do on the other stuff. Um, what do you think? This is a uh, continuation of U.S. Attorney David Weiss's cover-up for President Biden and his family. We, uh, David Weiss was handpicked by both Democrat home state senators. I was the chief counsel for nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee when his nomination went through. And it is a tradition of the Senate for more than 100 years that the home state senators uh, get to hand-select the U.S. Attorney who could prosecute the senator's corruption case, the district court judges who would oversee their trial, and the U.S. Marshal who would escort these senators to prison. So they are very careful who they pick. And with David Weiss, the home state senators, the two Democrat home state senators in Delaware, 
picked very wisely because David Weiss has protected Joe Biden for years and the Biden family for years. Remember back in 2020, there were evidence, there was evidence that came in deemed credible by the U.S. attorney in Pittsburgh and then referred to David Weiss in Delaware that Joe Biden was taking a $10 million foreign bribe allegedly from Burisma and changed American policy, threatened to cut off a billion dollars in U.S. aid uh, to Ukraine if the Ukrainian president didn't fire the Ukrainian prosecutor investigating Biden uh, and Burisma. And Biden bragged about this. He went on TV and bragged about how he got this Ukrainian prosecutor fired for corruption. What he left out is is that Joe Biden uh, allegedly took a $10 million foreign bribe, uh, $5 million to Hunter, $5 million to Joe. And there is apparently evidence, 17 audio recordings, 15 with Hunter, two with then-Vice President Joe Biden, where they're shaking down this Burisma executive for this $10 million foreign bribe. And, oh, by the way, this Burisma executive is an, uh, almost certainly an asset of Russia. So Putin has this compromising material, this blackmail on Ukraine. So what did David Weiss do with this with this information? He did nothing, right? And so David Weiss uh, just got caught, as you said, with uh, trying to concoct this sweetheart deal with this backdoor amnesty for Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. David Weiss is a bad actor. He lied about the facts that he uh, he lied to his, his investigators. His, these whistleblowers have come forward. These whistleblowers said that he did not have the authority uh, to said he said he didn't have the authority to move forward with with charging decisions. Merrick Garland said he did have that authority. So David Weiss is going to continue to cover up for Hunter Biden. And really, who cares about a crackhead with a gun in the grand scheme of things? The bigger issue here is, is we have a president of the United States who could be compromised by these foreign bribes, by this foreign corruption. And David Weiss is not going to get to the bottom of this. He's going to drag this out until November 5th, 2024, the next presidential election. And then maybe Joe Biden pardons Hunter. Maybe Joe Biden pardons himself. Maybe uh, Joe, uh, David Weiss moves forward with his sweetheart deal where he you know, essentially gives Hunter a no-jail-time felony plea bargain for this gun charge, but nothing's going happen to happen to Hunter Biden. This is purely a deflection to bring these charges now after the House Republicans announced an impeachment inquiry because they're trying to sideline Hunter Biden so he doesn't have to testify. If Hunter Biden is part now... If he has a plea bargain now where he doesn't face criminal prosecution, he can't plead the Fifth Amendment when these House investigators subpoena his records and subpoena his testimony. Ah, so there's a legal strategy to all of this, which makes a lot more sense now. Folks, we're on with Mike Davis. He's the founder of the Article 3 Project. Uh, he was chief counsel to the Senate Judiciary Committee and uh, law clerk to uh, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Now, uh, Mike Davis... When, when looking at this, and I, I want to dig into the Biden stuff a little bit more and pull that thread a little bit, but before we jump into Biden a little bit more, the, the gun charge, uh, I've, I've had some former federal prosecutors on the program, and they've told me uh, that they brought these charges, same exact charge, and they usually get a conviction of about seven years, and it's a pretty commonplace thing to get a charge of about that long for, uh, or a sentence of that long for a charge like this. Um, you're saying you don't think he's going to do time, and I don't think he's going to do time either. 
How do they justify that without looking corrupt, or do they not care? They don't care because they're going to drag this out until November 5th, 2024, and they're, they're going to make this go away, whether it's Pre- President Biden's pardon of his son and himself, or if it's David Weiss going back with another diversion agreement, another sweetheart deal. Remember, David Weiss tried to have the, the gun charge and the foreign corruption, the wire fraud, the foreign corrupt practices act, the bribery schemes, uh, the, the tax evasion. David Weiss let, what let several years of millions of dollars of serious tax evasion, uh, the statute of limitations uh, lapse on those. I mean, this guy is clearly covering for the Bidens. They don't care uh, if it looks bad because they know there's not going to be accountability, right? Like, think about this. Like, do you think that the, the mainstream, that meaning liberal media, is going to hold them accountable? Of do you think not. the Uniparty in D.C. is going to hold them accountable? Uh, of course not. So they know they're going to get away with this, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Wow. Now, with, with, uh, with all of that being said, how does this uh, end up? For for Hunter Biden, it just ends up um, being swept under the rug. Do you think he gets probation or is it just literally just disappears? I think that after they're going to that David Weiss is going to drag this out until after the presidential election on November 5th, 2024. Then I think David Weiss is is going to uh, dismiss these charges with prejudice or come up with such a sweetheart deal that that Hunter gets broad immunity. Uh, and and I think that President Biden again is going to pardon his son and pardon himself. So there are Hunter Biden will spend not one second in jail for this. Outrageous! All right, folks, we are on with Mike Davis uh, from the Article Three Project. Check out the website Article Three Project dot org. We're coming back with him. We're going to discuss a little bit about Biden, a little bit about the Trump case in Georgia as well. And I want to give you the phone number in case you want to join the conversation eight three three. Four eight two five three three seven eight three three four Valdez Mike Davis uh, with the minute that we have remaining more like forty seconds does David uh, Weiss have more power or at least more obscurity to do what he's doing with this cover up because he's special counsel or does that um, hinder him in any way No I mean he has a he has a lot of power he got rewarded with special counsel status by Merrick Garland because he delivered. For the Bidens, what he he covered for the Bidens for over 30 months, and all of a sudden they want to make him special counsel when he's proven worth. Hmm. All right, well put. We're going to continue straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. We're coming right back. Check out the website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. We're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
time they spend attacking me and my plan, here's what they never do. They never talk about what they want to do. No, no. Think about it. They tell you what they're against. What are they for? It's like they want to keep it a secret. I don't blame them. <laughs> well, today I'm going to I'm going to talk about their plans. Look, we're going to talk about the MAGA Republican economic plan. And by the way, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a different deal. All kidding aside, we've all worked with Republicans on the other side over our careers and become good friends, honest, decent people. Disagree like hell with them, but they were but they were in the deal. They thought the institutions mattered. They thought it mattered. Well, guess what? Our democracy is at risk because I don't think they do think it matters anymore. So Joe Biden says our democracy is at risk because of Republicans, because Republicans don't care. Uh, I'm looking at a piece by Mike Davis uh, in The Federalist. It says, here's what the House GOP should do right now to fight Democrats for public crushing lawfare. And, And to me, that's the bigger threat on our republic, not the, the, the Republicans. Uh, Mike Davis, welcome back, founder of the Article 3 Project. And uh, I, I'm interesting read. I'm looking through this. Um, help us uh, understand a little bit of what you're talking about, about the Republic crushing lawfare. Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden just said this isn't our father's Republican Party. I would say this is not our parents or grandparents' Democrat Party. These aren't liberals who just disagree with conservatives on the best way to get there. These aren't liberals who love America. These are leftists. These are Marxists. These are these are leftists who hate America. They don't believe in American values. They don't believe in equality. They believe in equity. They don't believe in free speech. They believe in censorship. They don't believe in due process. They believe in Me Too, a presumption of guilt and politicized and weaponized justice systems. And they're doing that right now under the guise of trying to save democracy. And they're trying to save democracy by bringing unprecedented republic-ending lawfare against a former president for the first time in American history, indicting him four times after they impeached him twice for bogus reasons. And they bring these civil lawsuits, like up in New York with Tish James, the attorney general of New York, bringing civil fraud claims against Trump for the non fraud of a uh, of a businessman paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in in full with with interest. Right. And so this is welfare by the Democrats. And what the point of my Federalist piece was is that House Republicans have been sheltering in place for over a year since the unprecedented indictment of President Trump since the Mar-a-Lago raid for the non-crime of a former president having his presidential records in the office of former president, which is allowed by the Presidential Records Act. For indicting Trump for the non-crime, again, of the uh, businessman paying back sophisticated Wall Street banks in full with interest. For the for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election, which is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887, twisting arms politically, is allowed by the First Amendment. This is lawfare by the Democrats. This is election interference by the Democrats. And you say, how is it election interference? They waited 30 months to bring many of these indictments. They could have indicted Trump immediately if they thought he somehow committed a crime. They waited until the the middle of the Republican presidential primary to indict him. And what I would say to these Republicans in, in the House is, look, 
Democrat, today's Democrats are Marxists. They only respect power. And so right. you need to use power uh, to, to put them back in their place. So start issuing subpoenas. Issue subpoenas for their records. Issue subpoenas for their testimony. Make them come in for staff depositions. Make them come in for public hearings. Ex- make them come in and explain to the American people why they think that they need to bring this un- these unprecedented indictments, this unprecedented welfare and, uh, and election interference, and what justifies this, and why should we be spending federal funds on this? What's your legal analysis on why we haven't brought Hunter Biden in with his involvement in these things or half of the people in the administration that we could probably subpoena and put under oath? My legal analysis is this, that the uh, D.C. swamp is the only place on the planet where the reptiles lack backbones, and that is particularly true of Republican politicians. Lamentably. Folks, we're on with Mike Davis. Uh, founder and president of the Article 3 Project, and he was the uh, chief counsel for uh, nominations in the Senate Judiciary Committee, as well as uh, law clerk to Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Now, I agree with what you're saying in this piece, and, you know, and it's funny, and I said legal analysis on purpose because I really felt you had to put your political hat on to, <laughs> to weigh in on that because ultimately it seems like it's a political problem, right? It's a, it's a lack of backbone. It's a lack of follow-through, uh, really a, a lack of oh, – there's not a political will to make a change. Everybody's kind of happy in this little um, swamp hellhole that we have in D.C., and until we find somebody who's willing to make that change – I think everything remains status quo. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, President Trump was willing to make that change, and that's why they spied on his presidential campaign. They made up the Russian collusion hoax. They spied on him as the president of the United States. You had people uh, in the CIA and the FBI within the career foreign, you know, the, the career bureaucracy, the foreign service, the deep state. They undermined him every step of the way as a president. They impeached him twice. They even impeached him for merely asking questions about uh, then-Vice President Joe Biden's foreign corruption. The mere fact that he asked questions about this got him impeached. But Joe Biden's taking the foreign bribes, 10 millions of dollars of foreign bribes from Burisma, uh, allegedly, along with $10 million more from China, allegedly, along with Romania and who the hell knows where else, what other third-world Marxist hellhole that crackhead Hunter was on the payroll they're not going to. The House Republicans don't think that we need to move forward with impeachment on a clearly compromised president of the United States after Democrats impeached Trump twice for nothing and indicted him for nine crimes four times. There's a lot of talk about the current impeachment inquiry becoming a, a whole lot of nothing. Do Do you think that's going to be the case? It seems like you're headed in that direction. No, I actually think there's a lot of substance there, and I think Republicans need to get serious about this. You can't have a compromised president of the United States. There is overwhelming evidence that Joe Biden took foreign bribes, and it doesn't matter if it went directly into Joe Biden's pocket or if it went into the pockets of his kids and grandkids, including you know, minor grandkids who obviously are not experts on Ukraine. No one's an expert on Ukraine in the Biden family. Do you think Hunter Biden... When he's, you know, when he's not smoking crack and brandishing his illegal gun, do you think he all of a sudden became a geopolitical expert on Ukraine? Of course, this is a foreign bribery and corruption scheme. And 
it has consequences. People say, well, all politicians are dirty. Well, that, that's great. That, that may or may not be the case. But the issue is, is we have a sitting president of the United States who is compromised by this foreign corruption, by these foreign bribes in Ukraine and China. The two biggest trouble spots in the world right now are Russia with Ukraine and China with Taiwan. And think about it this way. Russia invaded Ukraine when President Obama put Vice President Biden in charge of Ukraine. And Russia took Crimea, probably because Russia smelled that Biden was weak, he was compromised, they had blackmail on him. Four years of peace and prosperity in both China and Ukraine under Trump. And now Biden is back and Putin smells his weakness again and his comp- that, that he's compromised and has blackmail and he's trying to take the rest of Ukraine. That $10 billion investment in the Bidens has cost American taxpayers $100 billion in counting so far. So Ukraine uh, get, gives $10 million to the Bidens, gets a 10,000 time return, times return from American taxpayers. And that, that could double. Who knows? And look, we are in a proxy war with a nuclear superpower with Russia. And then China is going to see how weak and incompetent Biden is, and they make they may make a play for Taiwan. And then where the hell are right. we as, you know, I mean, we're, we, we have a, a defense agreement. We have a treaty with Taiwan. If, if China tries to take Taiwan, we're going to be in a hot war with China, right, while we're in this proxy war with Russia. Not good. No bueno. Mike Davis, stick with us. I want to find out uh, your take on how much immunity, if any, President Trump can have from prosecution. It seems like none lately, but some are out there saying that he can and does. And there's uh, there's there's more to come on that. So I want to get your take on that. And uh, I want you to weigh in on the Georgia case as it unfolds. There was a, a decision today, a minor decision, but a decision nonetheless. Folks, stick with us. We're on with Mike Davis. Uh, from the Article 3 Project. The phone number, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. If there was a second Trump term, what would that actually look like? Because the the former president said just the other day, um, he said if elected again, he would tell his attorney general to indict his political opponents. Look, let's, let's not engage in nightmare scenarios. It's a potentially very realistic scenario. No, well, uh, who who am I to say? I never thought he would be elected the first time. Who would vote for such a person who said such horrible things about women and and rest? You told a reporter from New York Magazine a couple weeks ago that that you think would be a criminal enterprise in the White House. Yeah, I do. I definitely do. I mean, you just described one. 
you've just described, Ron. That, that's really what you think a second Trump term would be? Yes, a criminal enterprise. Uh, the, uh, he was engaged in one before. That is Nancy Pelosi on with Anderson Cooper on CNN yesterday saying a second Trump turn would, uh, term would be a criminal enterprise. And that's exactly what Funny Willis, the district attorney in Georgia, has charged him with. And some are saying that Trump uh, can be immune from prosecution if this were brought to federal courts because it would be part of his his everyday affairs as president. And others are saying, no, I want to get to the bottom of it with Mike Davis. He's the founder of the Article 3 Project, and he was chief counsel to the Senate Judiciary Committee, as well as a law clerk to Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch. Uh, Mike Davis, where do you weigh in on this one? So I would say that uh, Nancy Pelosi's concerned that Trump will come in and indict his political enemies, God willing. I hope he does. I think Democrats (laughs) need a healthy dose of their own medicine. And I always joke that I'm going to be, I'm going to be Trump's acting attorney general. And during my three week reign of terror as Trump's acting attorney general, I have several lists and those lists, including indicting and firing and pardoning and deporting and detaining. And I think we're going to add Nancy (laughs) Pelosi to that list. I think that it would be good. And it's, it's just going to be safer for her. I, I want her to be in a DC gulag so people can't break into her home and attack her with hammers. And so I think it's really important that we protect Nancy Pelosi by putting her butt in prison. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, all joking aside, President Trump needs to move forward, and I think he will, needs to move forward with a motion to dismiss both of these January 6th indictments, both with Jack Smith in D.C. and Fannie Willis down in Georgia, because they are legally defective. These are these are non-crimes. It is not a crime to object to a presidential election. It is, it is specifically allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. If it were a crime to object to presidential elections, Democrats would be in jail for objecting to Republican wins in 1968, 2000, 2004, and 2016. It is only a crime to object to presidential elections in third world Marxist hellholes, including apparently Washington, D.C. and Atlanta, right? And it's not a crime to twist arms politically. The political process is messy. It is protected by the First Amendment. If it were a crime to be a jerk in politics, just about every politician in America, besides my former boss, Chuck Grassley, the nicest man in American political history, would be in prison. So that let's just get that out there. That's number one. Number two, you have presidential immunity. The president is immune from prosecution by state prosecutors for what he does in, in office, right? So, and, and also federal prosecutors. So if he is performing his official, official duties as the president of the United States, including under Supreme Court precedent, the outer perimeter of his official duties, he is immune from prosecution. And so are his top aides in the White House, like White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and also mm-hmm. his lawyers at the Justice Department, like Jeff Clark. And so President Trump should move forward immediately with his motion to dismiss these indictments for presidential immunity. And alternatively, if he's not acting within his uh, government capacity, his presidential capacity, he's acting within his personal capacity, what he's doing is protected by the First Amendment. You can redress government. You can object to elections. There's no allegation whatsoever that Trump incited the riots on January 6th. And that's what it was. It wasn't an insurrection. It was a protest, a lawful protest permitted 
by the National Park Service that got out of control and turned into a riot? How many insurrectionists get to the Senate floor of the nation's capital and walk through velvet ropes and take selfies and follow police direction and don't burn <laughs> down the place, right? It was a riot. And so there is no allegation whatsoever. There's no evidence whatsoever after the January 6th committee and the Biden Justice Department looked for years that President Trump incited that riot. And so unless you can show that President Trump incited that riot, unless you can show that Rudy Giuliani had the real electors tied up in his trunk and sent in fake electors <laughs> instead of contingent electors with fake IDs, right? right? There's no crime here. This the, the political process is not pretty. It's sausage making. And for the Democrats, like these dumb prosecutors like Fannie Willis and Jack Smith and Alvin Bragg and Tish James to try to to try to politicize and weaponize our uh, justice system to go after your political enemies and Biden and Garland. Mm-hmm. This is these are republic ending tactics. That's how the Roman Republic fell. Right. Remember, it was the right. lawfare against Caesar. He felt he had no option, so he crossed the Rubicon from Gaul into Rome because of the lawfare against him, and that led to a civil war and the fall of the Roman Republic. And I'm, I'm not saying this is going to a civil war, but right. it's going to go to a political and legal tit-for-tat that's going to destroy our country. Mike Davis, let everybody know how they can uh, keep up to speed with the amazing work you're doing at the Article 3 Project. I appreciate it. You get me fired up on this stuff. It's article3project.org, <laughs> article3project.org. You can donate there. Follow us on Getter Twitter Truth at, at Article Number Three Project at Article Three Project and my personal when I'm not kicked off social media for being too fiery is M R D D M I A M R D D M I A which are that that's my initials in Des Moines Iowa I know I sound like I'm from New York but I'm actually from Des Moines Iowa so but thank you for all having right. me. Well, it's my pleasure. You're welcome to come back anytime. You can get fired up here all you want. We do the long-form interview so that you can get fired up and kind of develop the idea and walk us through it. Uh, folks, give him a follow, send him a donation, keep in touch with Mike Davis at the Article 3 Project. Mike Davis, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, remember, at the top of the next hour, the following, the hour that follows the next hour, we've got Open Phone America. I want you to weigh in on all this stuff we're talking about. But there's more to talk about because Biden says, all right, we're going to do a prisoner exchange, right? And they do these prisoner swaps all the time. But do they always give you back the money they took from you to punish you? Right. Here's six billion dollars. And we're going to trade uh, this uneven amount of, of uh, prisoners one for the next. I think it's absolute crazy. We're going to talk to our buddy Brian Leib about that. He's the former executive director for Iranian Americans for Liberty, and he's with a new organization now. And he's going to tell us all about it. So keep it locked right here. Don't move a muscle. This is just getting started. And I want you guys to weigh in if you can. 833-482-5337-833-4 Valdez. We're coming right back.
Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be with you on this Thursday night. Uh, if you want to join us by phone, feel free to join the program, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And um, the Biden administration imposed sanctions on an additional 150 entities, foreign entities, in an effort to break the Russian war effort. Uh, a little bit more on that later. Uh, Speaker McCarthy absolutely demolished an Associated Press reporter over a false report that the House has no evidence for the Biden impeachment inquiry. And uh, we played the audio in the top of the first hour. Uh, I'm going to get into that a little bit more later as well. And of course, earlier in the week, Joe Biden thought it was brilliant and it was intelligent and it was a very smart move to trade prisoners and give back $6 billion in sanctions. What was the point of sanctioning them if we're going to give them the money back to begin with? Unbelievable. Listen to um, uh, uh, Jackie Heinrich, she's from Fox News, uh, questioning uh, Joe El Baboso, Biden's representative from the, where's he from, the State Department? John Kirby, listen to this. Uh, John, you just said that Iran was not going to do this for nothing. Um, but didn't they also get five Iranians? They will get five uh, Iranians uh, as well. Yeah, Jackie. Then why did we need to add $6 billion on top of that? The, this is the deal that uh, we were able to strike to secure the release of five Americans. It would be great, wonderful, if we could just pick up the phone and call the mullahs and say, hey, we want our Americans back. Send them back on the next plane. But you and I both know that's not going to happen, particularly with Iran. All right, that's John Kirby. He's not the State Department. He's uh, national security, and he does stuff with the Defense Department. Former Admiral John Kirby. Forgive me for mistitling you. It's better than misgendering you. Anyway, so $6 billion. You know, I always get the sense that John Kirby, whenever he gives an answer, he's like a, a halfway decent guy that's like, trying to tell the truth, but he can't because he's got a cover for his boss. So he's always like, you know, this was the deal we had to make because, you know, well, you know, he can't really tell you all the details uh, and not because they're classified, but because, he, you know, he's covering for a bunch of idiots here. Anyway, I want to get to the bottom of this with our guest, Brian Leib. Brian Leib's been on plenty of times before. He's the executive director of Case Pack. Before that, he was the executive director of Iranian Americans for Liberty. Brian Leib, welcome back, sir. Hey, Rich. Good to be with you. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, bro. Thank God. I mean, great summer so far. It's it's very cool today. I'm, I'm enjoying it. The news is fantastic. There's so much stuff to discuss and laugh at. So let's dig into this because I think, yeah. you know, we, we've seen this before, right? I mean, he didn't take the cake like Obama with the pallets of cash that he returned, uh, you know, in, in the midnight flight. But it, it's Obama-esque in many ways. It, well, it sure is. I mean, what some, we're looking at Obama uh, 2.0 in, in both people uh, and in policy when you look at the Biden administration. 
and, you know, listening to John Kirby talk is, you know, it's, it's painful. Um, you know, when he says things like, you know, well, you know, what did you expect? We had to do a deal like this or else right. we weren't going to get our prisoners uh, back. Um, so at weak. the end of the day, there's this guy by the name of Donald Trump. You may have heard of him before. Uh, <laughs> when, when he was the president, he never paid a nickel for any, for getting any of our Americans back. But for some reason, the Biden administration has to spend billions of dollars doing it. Um, and you know, where do they think, where do they think that money's going to go? I mean, this is the world's foremost sponsor of terrorism that has a track record of funding every terrorist group in the world and has the blood of Americans and innocent men, women, and children all over the world on their hands. And what, what do we think is going to happen when we unfree $6 billion of cold, hard cash? It's not going to be good. Oh, I totally agree. And, and to me, it, it really defies the purpose. And perhaps, you know, in your infinite wisdom, you can help me understand why we would sanction a country to begin with. And the reason we do it is because we believe they're doing something that's wrong. So we're sanctioning them. Mm. We're taking this money away. And then all of a sudden we're going to give it back to them so they could do the same bad things that we were sanctioning them for. And then, of course, the president of Iran responds through a translator saying, no, 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 we'll, we'll do what we want with the money. Listen to this. Do you believe you have the right to use that money in any way that you see fit? This money belongs to the Islamic Republic of Iran, and naturally, we will decide, the Islamic Republic of Iran will decide to, to spend it wherever uh, we need it. How to spend our money, of course, it is under the authority of the Islamic Republic of Iran. So there you go. F you very much, right? That's what I heard him say through the translator, Brian Live. It's, it's just such hypocrisy to go back to your earlier comment about why would we sanction uh, an enemy like this only to turn around and give the money back. I mean, it's just it's just sheer, sheer hypocrisy is what it is, which is really nothing new when we get the, the Biden administration on really everything when it comes to foreign policy. Um, and, you know, the, the, the individual, the Iranian president, Abraham Raisi, um, you know, he, he, he doesn't have to lie. He doesn't have to pull any punches when he says, that, you know, it's, it's now his money and the money is back in his, in his hands and he's going to spend it as they see fit. I mean, that's code for, we're going to continuing, continue to, to enrich, you know, our political elite here, here in Iran. And we're going to continue doing everything we can to push money, more money out the door to all of the terrorist organizations that, 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 that they support. And it's worth noting that, you know, some of the major terrorist groups that they support are, are Hamas inside of Israel and Hezbollah uh, in, in Lebanon. Those, both of those terrorist groups, Rich, are, are designated by the State Department as foreign terrorist organizations. So in a way, the Biden administration is indirectly going to be sending hundreds of millions of dollars to these FTO, foreign terrorist organization uh, groups, vis-a-vis uh, -vis this money to Iran. And it's just, it's just really, uh, it's, it's America last. Every single turn when it comes to, to Joe Biden and his foreign policy. And, and it's just such a stark difference when you compare it uh, to President Trump. President Trump knew uh, how to lead with strength. He knew that peace was achieved through strength. 
and we're actually going to be celebrating uh, the third anniversary uh, tomorrow of President Trump's historic Abraham Accords. Do you think that President Biden could could pull together anything like the Abraham Accords? Of course he couldn't. Of course um, you know, he just doesn't understand how foreign policy operates. And, you know, it's just really a damn shame what's happened on Biden's watch. And America has gone from such a position of leadership and power on the world stage to, you know, now um, the world's laughing at us. And, and, and here we are unfreezing six billion, six billion dollars to the I can't say it enough to the world's leading sponsor of terrorism. We are putting six billion dollars into their hands. And, and, and oh, by the way, Rich, let's not forget, this is the same country that on a routine basis inside inside of their 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 parliament is chanting death America, death to Israel, burning the American flag, burning the Israeli flag. This is who President Biden is giving six billion dollars to. Uh, it's just uh, it's beyond unforgivable. And, um, you know, really, the Biden administration just should be so so ashamed of themselves and, and, and what they're doing and putting America last. And I hope we can recover from this, Rich. I really do. I really so the do. Biden administration is now the proxy funder of, of foreign terrorist organizations and in particular refunding the frozen assets or the frozen funds of the Islamic Republic of Iran. And I got to tell you, it was chilling to me the first time I heard it. Um, I, I mm. heard them actually chanting death to America, death to Israel, the great Satan, the little Satan, and, mm-hmm. and, and the vigor in which they do it. It's almost like their pledge of allegiance. Like they have their, their, it's like their opening ceremony. And, and I think, I don't know of another country on the planet that does this type of thing in their hatred toward America. And because now we're switching prisoners or we're swapping prisoners, now's a good time to give them back $6 billion. I don't fault them for trying to negotiate for this money. I fault Biden for giving it up. Yeah. And by the way, I want to make a point when it comes to those prisoners. One of the prisoners is an individual individual by the name of Kaveh Afrasiabi. One of President Trump's last actions uh, as president was directing the DOJ and the FBI to arrest Kaveh Afrasiabi for being an unregistered agent of the Islamic Republic of Iran. That's the good news. The bad news is, is that once Biden came into the White House, his DOJ allowed Kaveh Afrasiabi to delay his trial something like five or six times. And I remember I was watching this with with a lot of attention and I kept saying to myself, the Biden administration is colluding with the DOJ and they are using Afrasiabi as a political bargaining chip. And I remember I had so many people, so many D.C. insiders and foreign policy people saying, Brian, that's not true. You've got to give the Biden administration a chance. They wouldn't do something like that. Well, sure enough, Rich, do you know who one of those five prisoners is? It's none other than mm-hmm. Kavi Afrasiabi. You can't make this stuff up. Now, Brian, Lyon, you can't make this stuff up. Is there a a scenario to be fair to the Biden administration and and Joe El Baboso Biden's decision to do this? Is there a scenario where you think it would have, it was it was prudent to give six billion dollars and make a trade for this one particular bad guy and the others? In no way, shape, or form. That's what I thought. No way, Folks, shape, or form. What's what, what's, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. 
Let me just uh, give them out the number and, and take a quick pause here. We're on with Brian Lai, executive director of Case Pack, and you can check him out at Brian with a Y E Live L E I B dot com. If you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337-833-4 Valdez. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. commit U.S. troops to taking out these Mexican cartels. We are going to lean in and we are going to defend our country. And so I was at the border in Arizona. So there was one part where there was a stretch of wall. These guys are working on the base of the of the of the wall. I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, well, we're repairing. And I'm like, what happened? They said the cartels can cut through. I mean, these are big steel beams and they're cutting through. And yet they're being allowed to come in to our country. They got backpacks on with fentanyl and all this stuff. So in those situations, um, yes, we will have deadly force authorized. That's Florida governor and presidential candidate Ron DeSantis uh, discussing what's going on at the border. And listen to this. The number of people on the terrorist watch list stopped at the southern border in the United States has risen by 60 percent. So far in fiscal year 2023, 160 migrants whose identities match those on the terror watch list have been stopped trying to cross the U.S.-Mexico border, which, by the way, the U.N., has just uh, deemed the most deadly border on the planet. And that's compared to just 100 people last year in 2022. Our guest is Brian Live. He's the executive director of Case Pack. And Brian Live, we just went from talking about the terrorists in Iran to the terrorists at our southern border. And I'd say the number one individual terrorizing America is Joe El Baboso Biden and his um, clown show in the White House. But what do you make of all this? Well, those stats that you just uh, you just uh, spoke about, you know, those are only the 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 terrorists that we caught that we know of. You know, uh, you know, it, it, it scares me to my core to think about how many got through, how many are in this country right now that we have no no eyes on. We have, we're not tracking them. I mean, it's really just out of control that we live in a country that has a border, a southern border, that is just really wide open. And we have so many resources at our disposal, whether it's technology, manpower, money, so many things to really, you know, put a stop to to this illegal flow of, of in, uh, illegal immigrants into this country. But it doesn't seem we're doing anything. And, and you know, I was really shocked, uh, Rich, uh, last week when I saw the Biden administration um, uh, tell Governor Abbott in Texas that he had to remove those buoys that were in the river that were stopping people from crossing. Now, why would the Biden administration take such a strong position in telling a governor that he is not allowed to try and secure his border? 
like what, what you know what is going on at this point it, you know it's it, they're not even hiding their agenda whether it's sending 6 billion dollars to the Mullahs in Tehran on the 9/11 anniversary which they mm-hmm. did unbelievable unforgivable or whether it's doing things like not allowing a governor to protect his own border. I mean, what are they trying to do to this country right now? What are they trying to do? Honestly, Brian Lyme, I think they're succeeding. I totally think they're succeeding, and it's unfortunate. But uh, lamentably, that's exactly what's happening. Now, I want you to share with us uh, a little bit about the work that you do at Case Pack. Sure. I mean, definitely. Let's let's switch gears from uh, from, from the southern border to talk about anti-Semitism. Uh, so, Case Pack is is a is a federal political action committee uh, that is dedicated to fighting anti-Semitism in federal politics. Uh, and when I talk about fighting anti-Semitism in federal politics, I'm talking about people like Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib and so many others that are routinely trafficking in anti-Israel, anti-Jewish nonsense. Um, and, you know, we have really gone on the, auto- on, on the attack and on the offense over the last couple of months and naming and shaming these individuals for who they are and what they say. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what we're doing at Case Back. I really wish that there didn't have, the, that we weren't in a situation, you know, where anti-Semitism was at such record highs in this country right now. Um, but that is the lay of the land. That's what we're dealing with. And it, and it definitely is, it's such a meaningful mission for me, Rich, especially coming into, uh, the end of the Jewish year. Uh, actually, it's sundown tomorrow is Rosh Hashanah. Um, and, um, you know, I, I really hope going into this next year, uh, that we can find a way to, to really get some of these bad apples in Congress, th- uh, out of their seats because, you know, someone like Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib, it's not just that they're spewing vile hatred for for Israel or for the Jewish community. These are people that hate this country, Rich. They hate this country. They hate the values. They hate our Judeo-Christian values. Uh, and, and not just anti-Semitism is, is on the rise, but I think the, an attack on Judeo-Christian values in this country are on the rise right now. Brian Live, Executive Director of Case Pack. I want to thank you for being a, a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot, and for staying up late with us. I appreciate it, brother. Of course. Thanks for having me, Rich. All the best. You got to keep up the good work. Folks, more to come straight ahead. Presidential candidate Larry Elder joins us next. They're trying to keep him off the debate stage. He's fighting back. We're going to talk about it right now. America, welcome back. And there are two individuals that are fighting back because the Republican National Committee won't let them on the debate stage. They're giving them a hard time, and we're going to find out what's going on, why the RNC is stopping two black men from getting on the debate stage despite their popularity and the polls. And one of those is veteran radio host 
El Dorado, El Dursky, Larry Elder, candidate for the Republican nomination for president in 2024. Larry Elder, welcome back, sir. Rich, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Anytime we could shed a little light on this stuff, it, it's good to know because I think this is really messed up. Uh, I really think that you would add a lot of um, a lot of color, if you will, like the black face of white supremacy. You would add a lot of color to the debate <laughs> stage. <laughs> and and I, I well, feel I, like I, I, I would have. Yeah. And, and they're, yeah, they're robbing really the American people. Right. And me of some really great audio well, yeah. I can talk about the next day. Yeah. And in, in a word, uh, I, I got shafted. I guess there's three words. Uh, look, I, I met the debate criteria. I had 40,000 individual donors, which is what they required. Uh, 200 had to come from 20 or more different states. So we had 200 coming from 37 different states. And finally, I had to submit three polls where I was at 1% or better, and I did that. I get a phone call from Ryan McDaniel, the uh, GOP chairwoman, and David uh, Bossy, the debate czar, and they tell me I'm not eligible because one of the polls I submitted, the Rasmussen poll, cannot be used because it's affiliated with the Trump campaign. And I said, well, assuming that's true, why is it my problem? Right. You're not that. Trump. There shouldn't well, be a, a, a conflict on that. Well, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's crazy. And I'm looking at the piece in Axios where um, Tim Scott, Senator Tim Scott, is now uh, joining you in this protest against the RNC yeah. rules. Uh, tell us, uh, how did this um, unlikely partnership uh, emerge? <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just finish the story first. I'm sorry. Um, so I I submitted three polls and at last minute I get a phone call and I'm told that one of the polls the Rasmussen poll I can't use because it's affiliated with the Trump campaign and I said assuming that's true why is that my problem and they said well any poll affiliated with any candidate cannot be used by any other candidate Rasmussen Rich then put out a statement and said Trump is not affiliated with our poll there's no reason why Elder can't use it so then we submitted a fourth poll with with me above 1% or better and they said you submitted it too late well, that is true because they didn't publish their results until after the deadline was over, but they, can, they concluded the polling before the deadline. So there was enough wiggle room, in my opinion, uh, where they mm-hmm. could have put me up there had they wanted to, but they chose not to. Now, um, and, and, and I understand why they have debate criteria. I'm not, I'm not quarreling with that. I mean, after all, just because you can fog up a mirror and have an opinion and want to run for president doesn't mean you deserve a spot on the debate stage. But right. one of the guys that did make it offered a $20 gift certificate for a $1 donation to get to that 40000 Now, that oh, yeah, seems to be corrupt. Yeah. It's not illegal. That's, that's okay. But I did it the old-fashioned way. I asked people to go to my website, LarryOda.com, make a contribution, and I'm not there. So my lawyer is the former chair of the Federal Elections Commission, uh, was appointed by, uh, by Ronald Reagan. And he nice. says, by failing to apply the debate criteria fairly to Elder, what the RNC did in effect was to give an in-kind contribution to the eight people who were up there, which could <laughs> subject them to a fine as much as $100 million. So I gave the RNC by 2 o'clock on the day of the debate to change their mind. Otherwise, they're going to file the complaint. They didn't change their mind. I've now filed that complaint. The problem is it's going to take years for that to sort out. In the meantime, I've got to make the next debate, which is on the 27th of this month, and I've got to get 3% in three different polls plus 50,000 individual donors. As to the 50,000, I don't believe, Rich, that's going to be a problem. As to the 3%, we just launched a half-million-dollar ad media buy to get my numbers up there. But because I wasn't up there in Milwaukee, it's going to be awfully difficult for me to make the case as to why the American people ought ought to be looking at me. Right. Now, and again, this is the, the debate that's coming up in Miami. So 
tell no, no, uh, no this this is this is the this this is the one that's coming up on the twenty seventh uh, at the Ronald Reagan Library this month. Oh, and that's in the one Simi I Valley. need to get three percent, three percent. Yeah, yeah, in Simi Valley. So, how can uh, the audience help you? Because we want to help you, Larry Elder. We want to see you on the debate stage. Well, the main thing you can do is go to my website, uh, LarryElder.com, and throw something in the tip jar because now I've incurred an unexpected legal expense, uh, and I need to raise money to, to put on more ads. And let me tell you why I think uh, I, I've been shafted like this. I think I give the the RNC rich. I think I give them heartburn. I talk about so many things that they feel uncomfortable about. For example, the number one social issue facing this country by far that nobody's talking about it, including our side, including President Trump, for whom I have a lot of admiration. The number one social problem facing this country is the epidemic of fatherlessness, particularly acute in the black community where 70 percent of black kids enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother up from 25% back in 1965. In fact, now 25% of white kids enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother. And the stats are clear. When you're raised without a dad, you're five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. Now, the left doesn't talk about it because they created it. Our side doesn't talk about it because there's a deathly fear on the part of Republicans that, that if you talk, talk about this stuff, you're going to be accused of engaging in systemic racism and a fear that you're somehow dissing uh, single black women who are courageously raising these kids by themselves. Nothing of the sort is the case. This is a problem that's facing America, and unless we deal with it, we're going to keep having problems. Let me give you a quick example. Sure. A young black man aged 10 to 43, Rich, is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a white man, same demo. The number one cause of preventable death for a 19-year-old white male and under is accidents, like car accidents or drownings or drug overdoses. The number one cause of preventable death for a black male 19 and under is homicide, almost always at the hands of another young black male. And blacks account for 50% of the, of the homicides, the shootings, and the robberies in America. Now, unless you're prepared to say black people are just genetically inclined to commit more crime, you have to ask yourself what the devil's going on here. And if it isn't fatherlessness, please tell me what it is. And the, and the RNC doesn't want to have this conversation. And then there's this big lie that America remains systemically racist. Racism has never been a less important problem in America, but they let people like Joe Biden go to Howard University and say the number one problem facing the homeland is white supremacy. I mean, honestly, it's nonsense. And instead of calling him a race-hustling demagogue, they don't say anything. In, in, uh, in Florida, a few days ago, there was a, a white racist man who murdered three black uh, people because they were black. Uh, and Joe Biden, of course, said something about it, and, and properly so. But he didn't say a darn thing when two months ago, three months ago, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Rich, black guy gets a gun, goes up to a white man he doesn't know, shoots him in the back of the head, kills him, goes to another part of Tulsa, Oklahoma, sees another white man he doesn't know, pulls out the gun, shoots him in the back of the head, and kills him. And admits he did it because they were white. Biden didn't say a darn thing, even though when he talked about Jacksonville, he said silence in the face of this kind of hatred uh, means you're complicit. Well, he didn't right. say a darn thing when the black man did what he did because it doesn't advance his agenda. What, what their agenda is to get black people angry and thinking about racism uh, as opposed to bad schools, crime, things like that. And if you want to play this game, most homicide is same-race homicide. Most whites who are killed are killed by whites. Most blacks who are killed are killed by blacks. But there is every year around 750, a small percentage of interracial black-white homicides. 500 white men killed by blacks, 500 white people killed by blacks, 
250 black people killed by whites. Even though blacks are 13 percent of the population, they're committing twice as many homicides against whites as the other way around. Now, if Donald Trump said the number one threat to the homeland was black supremacy, he would be hounded and, and demeaned as a race-hustling demagogue, and properly so. But Biden says this, and we don't say a darn thing. It's outrageous, and it's getting people killed. Cops are pulling back all over the country. It's called the Ferguson Effect, and there are literally thousands of people who have been victimized by violent crime, some of whom were dead, most of them black and brown people living in the inner city because the Democrats have been able to push this lie of systemic racism and falsely accusing the police of engaging in brutality against black people just because mm -hmm. they're, they're black. And our, the RNC does not deal effectively with this. I do. I think it makes them feel uncomfortable. I give them heartburn. Yeah. Larry, I'll stand by right there. We're going to take a quick pause here. I want to continue to pull on this thread and let everybody know the battle that you're up against. Plus, I want to get your thoughts on on the rest of 2024. There's a lot of calls that uh, that from Democrats that Joe's too old and Kamala ain't it. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Folks, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Congratulations on just an amazing show. I know you've worked so hard in the industry, and nobody deserves it more than you do. So I'm happy to see you really succeeding here. It's awesome. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, folks, we're on with Larry Elder, 2024 presidential candidate, uh, vying for the Republican nomination for president. He's a radio host extraordinaire. He's a fantastic guy. And uh, he's facing an uphill battle here with the RNC that's given him a hard way to go, him and Tim Scott. And uh, they've joined forces to to come together. And the RNC is still uh, giving him a hard time. Larry Elder says it's because he's talking about issues that make them uncomfortable, which I, I don't doubt or disagree when he talks about fatherless homes and how the impact in, in uh, black America of a fatherless home and the impact that it has on education and crime. So I want to pick up where we left off, Larry Elder. Well, uh, Rich, another, another thing that I, I know I make him feel uncomfortable about, you know, we talk about the debt and the deficit and how much spending Biden has done, mm -hmm. uh, and properly so. Uh, but government gets bigger whether Republicans are in charge or Democrats are in charge. We are more fiscally responsible, but that's low bar. Uh, we need to take a machete to a problem that Republicans are taking a pocket knife to, and that's the size and scope and the spending of the federal government. We need an amendment to the Constitution to fix spending to a set percentage of the GDP. Otherwise, government gets bigger and bigger no matter who's in charge, largely because what drives the debt and deficit are the so-called entitlements programs. Even Bill Clinton and Barack Obama re 
refer to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and some of the others as unsustainable. Their word, not mine. Yet nothing gets done because if you run promising to reform them, you will lose elections. And the number one agenda for most politicians is to get elected. Number two is to get reelected. So you need a law that forces them to make the structural cuts and the reductions necessary in order to get ourselves back on a, uh, on a fiscal uh, sound basis. And that's what I'm proposing. And nobody but nobody uh, of all the candidates uh, is saying that other than myself. Larry Elder, uh, I think you're doing a fantastic job in, in getting at these these uh, the folks at the RNC and really getting the message out there. But there, there's a, a lot going on, right? There's um, there's talk about uh, Kamala not being it. There's talk about Joe Biden being too old. Do you see any changes uh, to the 2024 field afoot for the Democrats? Not, not, not on the Democratic side. Look, if Biden can fog up a mirror, Rich, he's the guy. And if he can't do it, it will be Kamala Harris. Here's why. Remember when James Clyburn endorsed Joe Biden and got a promise from him that if Biden got elected, uh, his first Supreme Court nominee would be a black female? Well, uh, Biden's uh, uh, vice president is a black female. And when for a time in California, it appeared that uh, Dianne Feinstein might not finish out her term, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom said he was going to appoint a black female. This is the identity party. This is the gender black identity party. Uh, You live by the identity sword, you die by the identity sword. The most loyal part of the Democratic base are black females. They vote Democrat in a higher percentage than anybody else, and they love, love, love Kamala Harris. They feel she's being picked on when she's ridiculed about her so-called cackle. They feel that Joe Biden has given her thankless tasks like getting to the root causes of illegal immigration. Uh, And if she is dropkicked for some white dude like like uh, Mayor Pete or Gavin Newsom, black females will be so angry. They won't vote Republican, don't get me wrong. They just won't vote. Stay home. Thereby guaranteeing, guaranteeing whoever the nominee is uh, on our side, he or she will win. So they, they're stuck with her. They can't afford to let her go. She is the nominee. And remember, the first um, uh, primary for the Democrats is now South Carolina. 60% of the, of the Democrat voters in South Carolina are black. And again, most of those are black female. And they love Kamala Harris. So they're stuck with her. Larry Elder, stick with me for another moment. I want to get to uh, the Biden impeachment inquiry and uh, Speaker McCarthy. Folks, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. For Valdez, that's Valdez with an S. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I showed frustration in here because I am frustrated with the committee. I am frustrated with some people in the conference. We had the DOD appropriation bill yesterday. I couldn't put it on the floor. I don't have one complaint by any member of what's wrong with this bill. 
Mediaite is reporting that McCarthy said, quote, move the effing motion <laughs> in a heated debate behind closed doors uh, facing a mutiny with uh, some GOP members. Larry Elder, what do you make of this, uh, A, the McCarthy side of the Biden inquiry and B, the Biden side of it in three and a half minutes? Well, look, uh, President Trump was impeached twice for a sliver of what appears uh, that uh, Joe Biden has done. Uh, you know, we've, you've got 10 percent for the big guy. You have uh, Hunter complaining he's got to give half his money to his father. Uh, they've commingled their their incomes, it appears. Uh, there's, what, 20-some different shell corporations, millions of dollars uh, in the hands of the Biden family. Joe Biden is on the phone uh, with uh, Hunter and with his business associates. I mean, Joe Biden has done everything but leave his business card at the crime scene. So clearly the uh, the investigation is legitimate. What bothers me more, though, is this two-tiered system of justice. Uh, Trump is being prosecuted for making the same argument that Democrats made after the 2000 election when they tried to challenge Florida. They made the same argument after the 2004 election when they tried to challenge uh, Ohio. They challenged more states after the 2016 election, nine nine altogether than uh, Trump did after 2020 when he challenged six, but nobody accused him of being election deniers. Nobody prosecuted them criminally, and mm -hmm. their lawyers weren't facing disbarment. It's outrageous, this double standard. We ought to at least be able to agree on that, uh, that uh, no matter how you feel about Donald Trump, uh, America is at a crossroads right now if we don't recognize this double standard. And listen, I, I think uh, we, we need to stand up for candidates that are doing the right thing. And you're one of those candidates, I believe, that needs to be on the debate stage to to say your piece. So uh, remind the audience again of how they can help you. Where do they go to make the donation and exactly what they've got to do? They can help me by, by buying my book, which comes out in November. It's called As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation. It's about what happens to the rest of the country if California contaminates it. Uh, and then go to my website, LarryElder.com, and throw something in the tip jar. Help me pay for some more ads and help me, help me get up there on that debate stage uh, on the 27th uh, here in California. And when I do, it's game on, Rich. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Folks, go to LarryElder.com. LarryElder.com is the website. Now, Larry Elder, um, the the time frame that people have to to help you out – what, what's the time frame right now? I know you have to have a certain amount in by a certain 40, time. Yeah, yeah, 48 hours before the debate. The debate's on the 27th, so the 25th is, is the deadline. Three uh, polls with 3% or better or 50, in, and 50,000 individual donors. Those are the uh, criteria that I've got to hit. And I'm pretty confident I can do it. Um, thanks to shows like yours, getting the word out, uh, I hope I can get up there. And if I do, it'll be the biggest comeback since George Foreman. <laughs> I love that. Then you could sell grills, too. I love that. All right, Larry Elder. <laughs> brother, you are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Godspeed to you. Good luck with everything. LarryElder.com. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Rich. God bless. You bet. All right, folks. Open Phone America is moments away. Get your calls in now. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the number we're talking about. Larry Elder, we're talking about... Uh, Mike Davis earlier and uh, the Biden fiasco and everything else under the sun that we've discussed, plus whatever you want to bring to the table. I'm always happy to have a chat with you. And if you disagree, you move to the front of the line. Looking forward to chatting with you on Open Phone America. That starts right now. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be with you this Thursday evening. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ is the number. If you want to join us on open phones, we're going to get to your calls momentarily. I see we got calls from all over the place. Uh, we, uh, let's see, South Dakota, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Albany, New York, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and the lines are ringing off the hook. If there's an open line, get in, in now. This way you're not left on hold. I uh, hate it when people are on hold and when we wrap up the show. Anyway, a couple of things I want to bring up tonight uh, in this hour. Of course, uh, I just want to reiterate, Hunter Biden was indicted on federal gun charges. Uh, the border continues to be out of control. You got a 60% increase in the amount of people that are on the terror watch list. That's crazy. And just in Arizona alone, 9,100 migrants. Crazy, right? Absolutely crazy. Now, that's bad enough. Then you've got Constitution Day is this Sunday. And uh, we'll talk more about the Constitution tomorrow and on Monday as well. It'll be Constitution Week. But a university did an online survey and they found that most Americans lack basic civic knowledge. You know, it's funny. Years ago, I had an interview with uh, Jim McGresty, the president of Just Facts, the uh, Just Facts Institute. And uh, he found the same exact thing, that people are just sorely lacking in civic knowledge. And I think that's why people fall for the hype that they hear in the media, because they just don't know better, because they don't know their constitution. Know your constitution, folks. And then at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to dip into this one college professor who was fired after making comments in favor of adult child sexual relationships is now attempting to be allowed back to the campus. We're going to talk about that in a bit. And there's a homeless camp in Denver, Colorado, which now has a pop-up bar and rentable tents where you can engage in prostitution. I'm not making this up, folks. This is really happening. Uh, brought to you by a Democrat near you. Anyway, let's uh, let's go to the phone to get uh, some some feedback on what we've been discussing tonight, whether it was uh, Larry Elder or Brian Leib or any of our other guests that we've had. Um, you can always go to the website, by the way, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. If you missed any of our interviews, you can hear them on demand once the show is over. Give us about a half hour, 40 minutes or whatever, and it gets published and you can hear all of that for free. And if you like it, you could subscribe to it for free and get notifications whenever it hits your podcast app. All right, let's, where do we go here? Let's go to Rob in Mitchell, South Dakota, K-O-R-N. Rob, welcome. Hi, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. It's a pleasure. I appreciate it. I had three things, and if we can't get to them, you just cut me off and go to the next one. The first one was illegal deployments. The second one was continuous resolution spending and that's the key issue why we can't get in there and get things changed because before the new kids go through orientation both parties make them sign 
pledge that they're going to vote for it. So those illegal deployments don't come up for vote. Now you're talking about military deployments. Correct. And then well, a lot of give some context to that. Let's talk about that for a second. When you're saying illegal deployments, are you talking about um, ongoing military efforts that that aren't part of any declaration of war? Like what, what's the exact context? Yes, there's a roughly a hundred and fifty, a hundred, uh, two hundred engagements that are ongoing, and so what happens? There's two problems that Gold Star families point out to me and deployed families locally is uh, the uh, they get sent out to train people that are on actual terror watch list. This is not a, a joke at all. No, and well, then, we've done it in the past, right? I think we've, we've done it with uh, people in South America. We've done it with people in the Middle East. I, 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 lamentably, the way the foreign policy has been handled in our nation hasn't always been uh, satisfactory for a lot of people. Uh, I, I can acknowledge that. And sometimes we end up making strange bedfellows with the, with the oddest of people, right? And becomes a very odd couple. And then, you know, years later, we have to turn on them or they turn on us. and Or we have a new relationship with someone else who's an enemy of theirs and we have to cut those ties. And it, it's, a, it, it's really the same as Washington, D.C., but in another country. And rather than bribing people like we do in Washington and, and special interests, we use foreign aid or war. And those are the two options that we have. So we either go through the U.N. and launder money through the U.N., calling it foreign aid, or we uh, we use military might, or we sell them weapons, or we set up a base. And and I, this is a problem bigger than you and me, and great to talk about. I have this discussion pretty regularly with um, with a couple of family members of mine that just you know constantly say, look, I love this country, but I hate our government. And I get that. And I, I agree. We don't need to be at war all the time, which is one of the reasons why I really was a fan of President Trump's, especially this 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 term where he he concluded his four years with minimal uh, additional military efforts. He used, a, you know, he built up the military, spent a lot of money on the military because Obama had done a lot of mil military cuts. And it was a balancing act of appeasing the military industrial complex because they want the government spending to be invested in the military. And then you've got, you've got the, the people and he was able to appease both, right? By saying, you know, we're not going to start any new wars and we're also going to build the military. And on this program, we had uh, Christopher Miller. He was the, the last uh, secretary of um, defense uh, before uh, Trump left office and when he came on the show, he, he said that we spend an outrageous amount of money on, on weapons. And he was in favor of drastically cutting the military budget because he felt we were spending too much through the military industrial complex that, you know, these missiles don't need to cost as much as they do. These drones don't need to cost that much. And we could go with, with a simpler, smaller model like many of our enemies are doing, spending less money on defense than we do because it's so bloated with pork. And it was an interesting point. Uh, I don't agree in cutting military spending. I do agree in getting the best bang for your buck. And, of course, nobody wants their kids to go to war. And and that's a given. You know, my daughter wanted to join the military, and I was all for it, and I still am, should she want to go. My brother served in the Marine Corps. 
I think it's a great thing. I, I signed up and for whatever reason, they just never wanted me, whether it was my weight or, or whatever, you know, my have flat feet, this, that, and the other. But my point is, uh, I get it, you know. So when you bring up this, uh, this case of uh, illegal deployments, I'm with you. I think that we should have a better handle on things. I think that we should have not less uh, of a presence where we are because it's part of our global dominance. And if we don't do it, someone else will. If the United States doesn't have a base in every country, uh, China will. You know, Russia will. Everybody will fill in that void. So it, it to me, it's one of those situations where we just have to be in these places because if we're not in those places, someone else is going to be there and we would lose our position. And once we lose our position, it's a threat to everybody here in the homeland. It's a threat to our economy. It's a threat to everything. And some may disagree with me on that, but uh, I believe that's the only way to maintain and you have to have a very delicate balancing act in order to move forward. But thank you for the call, Mitchell. I appreciate it. Mitchell in South, uh, excuse me, Rob in Mitchell, South Dakota on K-O-R-N. Folks, we're going to continue with the rest of your calls straight ahead. We've got calls from all over the place. Boise, Idaho. Look at that. Love Idaho. All right. We're coming back to you. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And the uh, Annenberg Center for Public Policy put together a Constitution Day civics survey, which interviewed 1,482 United States adults and just recently, August 9th through the 15th, margin of error, three and a half. And uh, listen to this. On the branches of government, the 2023 survey found that 66% of United States adults could name all three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, while 10% could name two branches and 7% could name only one. About one in six people, or 17%, could not name any branches of government at all. When it came to the First Amendment, respondents were asked to name the rights guaranteed by the First Amendment. The only right with widespread recognition was freedom of speech. 77% could name freedom of speech. Less than half, only 40%, knew about freedom of religion. 33% knew about the right to assembly. And just over a quarter, 28%, were able to name freedom of the press. And less than 1 in 10, 9% knew about the right to petition their own government. Wow. That's where we are. Maybe I need to do more of that. I mean, this audience knows that stuff. But everybody that's watching uh, CNN and everybody that's watching 
all, any type of professional sports, I can guarantee you that's why they're watching sports because they don't want to pay attention to this stuff and they want to get their head, you know, uh, cleared up because they're dealing with so much in life, especially in Joe El Baboso Biden's economy. But I want to continue to get your reactions to the show tonight and all the topics we're discussing. Let's go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, KDKA, and check in with Mike. Hey, Mike, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. I'm going to try to go fast because I could probably spend a lot of time on a lot of different things here. <clears throat> but I really like what Mike Davis had to say. That kind of surprised me. Um, by the way, I'm a first-time caller. Oh, welcome um, to the program. Appreciate it. Thanks. Um, I read a book when I was in high school that uh, was written in 1976 by a man named Gary Allen, and it was called The Rockefeller File. It was handed to me by an older neighbor who's since passed away. But And uh, I read the book twice because it really years later I read it again. But all of this stuff was predicted. Um, all of this stuff was predicted in that book. All of what? Uh, the using the environmentalism as a uh, as a way of socializing the economy and destroying the middle class, um, he predicted that the Democrat Party would basically become the Marxist Socialist Communist Party of the United States. Um, he predicted that the Republicans would would just guard the money and the banking and the corporations and the rich people and not care about the middle class. Uh, just on and on and on. And everything that's predicted in that book is starting to come true, even down to outlawing of fossil fuels, using the environment as the Trojan horse to destroy capitalism and free enterprise marketplaces in the United States of America, the deindustrialization of America, the opening of the borders and flooding the country with uh, our enemies uh, and people to to eradicate the middle class uh and take away jobs in this country on and on. It's all written in that book. It's all there. And you know what makes it, it's sad, but it makes a lot of sense why so many people don't know anything about our, our constitution. Uh, because the more you know about it, the more you could fight back on every one of the fronts you just mentioned. And lamentably when people are in the dark and they, you know, they hear things like there's a wall of separation between church and state and we're a democracy and all the other things, these these uh, these myths that are kind of uh, promulgated all over the media and everywhere else. It makes sense where people are just undereducated or uninformed and they don't have the information that they need to really be powerful as voters, to be in, informed patriots and 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 citizens at the ready to, to protect this republic intellectually. And uh, and that's the result. Everything that was predicted in this book that you mentioned uh, is coming to pass. Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Really excellent uh, points. And it's sad that we're seeing this thing come to fruition the way we are. However, I think that people are smarter than than the Democrats give them credit for. And I think what they don't know, they're going to know. And they're going to figure it out. And we're going to get this thing right. Let us continue. Let us go to Andrew, Albany, New York, WGDJ. Go right ahead, Andrew. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, Rich, how you doing? I'm Listen, great. I just want to talk about the immigration situation for one minute. Go ahead. What I have surmised from this whole situation, it is about money. 
It is about keeping the wages low in America. Mm-hmm. It is about decimating the middle class. And it's real simple. They bring in these illegal aliens. They pay them nothing. They want to give them jobs. Here in New York, our governor is already fighting to give these people jobs. Yep, work They've permits. They've been doing this for decades. For decades. They have been trying to pay these people under the table without any repercussions on the employer whatsoever. Now they're trying to make it legal to give these people jobs without social security numbers, without even knowing who picture is on a $20 bill. Most of them cannot even count. I live in a suburban area, and right around the corner from me, they have about 80 of them in the motel here. And they have bought them everything from socks to bicycles. Okay, uh, they closed the whole hotel down here in Rotterdam, New York, right outside of Albany, and they have given these people money to go shopping with. They have brand new clothes. They have, like Larry Alvey was saying earlier, um, they take the American male out of the household. They've done the same thing with all the social programs that they implemented years ago when they had the welfare system up in America where the male couldn't stay in it. This was all the Democrat plan to destroy America. Andrew, let me tell you, not only are you really well set on this, it's very eloquent, the articulation was fantastic, you hit the nail on the head on every point, uh, and, and it's it's true and it's sad. This is a, a very concerted effort. It's a very uh, well-planned system to do exactly what you're saying. They want cheap labor. They want, they want the kids that are coming in, unaccompanied minors. They're coming in to work, and they did a couple of raids at a McDonald's. We covered it on the show a few months ago, and what they found, there was uh, something like 40% of the kids that were there were illegal aliens. These kids were like 12 and 13 years old working in factories. You've got them working in like meatpacking places. You've got them working at McDonald's. I mean, the stuff that's happening is egregious. And uh, you're right on every point. I appreciate the call. Big shout out to Albany, New York, WGDJ. Andrew, thanks for your call. Folks, we're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Plus, what's up with this professor who says sex with kids is okay, and now he wants to come back to work in a college? Unbelievable. I even though we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. Familia, welcome back. I want to talk about something that, uh, in my opinion, this is this is a problem. It's a grand problem, and the reason it's a grand problem is because it it imperils children. It imperils our future because children are the future. There's a, a 
professor, a philosophy professor, fighting to be allowed back on campus uh, more than a year and a half after he was fired in an uproar over comments he made on a podcast, um, a podcast called The Brain in a Vat, by the way, where he questioned the immorality of adult child sex, pedophilia, saying it's really wrong, it's a mistake. And we're going to play you the clip of him saying this so you don't have to believe that I said it, but this is uh, Stephen Kirshner. He's a tenured professor, was a tenured professor at the State University of New York in Fredonia. And listen to what he had to say. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A, a very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this. And it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that it is, in fact, wrong. I think this is a mistake. And I think that exploring why it's a mistake will tell us not only things about adult child sex and statutory rape, but also about fundamental principles of morality. Now, I don't know if Mr. Uh, Kirshner has children, right? Because when you can make flippant comments about children, it's kind of like people who've never had a dog and they make comments about dogs and they've never even owned a dog. Same thing. And I'm not comparing children to dogs. I'm just making the correlation because you've probably met somebody who's made comments that were kind of out of turn. He says that it's, it's, it's a mistake to think that this is wrong. Outside of it being criminally wrong, it's wrong. Now, I got to tell you, this stuff always rubs me the wrong way. When I hear weirdos like this guy, and you've heard me rail about Dr. Alfred Kinsey and all of his crazy stuff. You've heard me go uh, off the rails on, on Daniel Carlton, Gajasek, another Kinsey acolyte. And, of course, this guy's one of them, too. You don't come up with this stuff on your own. Clearly, he's looking at research and, and the, the same talking points that those guys had. But when you look at a situation like this, I think this guy clearly is ready to debate this topic all day, every day. There's nobody on the planet that's going to get him to th walk away from an, an argument, a conversation, whatever and what have you, thinking, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't mess around with somebody's 12-year-old daughter because she's a willing participant. Maybe I should just not do that. No. The only thing that's going to stop a guy like this, and I don't condone violence for you, I condone violence for myself, is to beat the piss out of this guy. That's the only way you stop a guy like that. You could fire him from the school. He still believes this stuff. Now, again, I'm not calling for you to do anything violent, but that's how I would handle it if, it if this were directed at my own child because people like this need to be stopped. Anyway, that's Stephen Kirshner, right? So now he, um, he became famous. The, the, this video of this podcast went viral because of a, an account called The Libs of TikTok on TikTok and Instagram and uh, Twitter. And he's now suing the school saying that the school's president gave in to the Twitter mob and ignored his First Amendment rights by barring him from campus. A federal judge, uh, judge heard the evidence in the case uh, today. So we don't know exactly the outcome of this. And again, he does have rights to say what he wants to say. I'm not saying he shouldn't say what he wants to say. I am saying that you should keep that man away from your children. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Uh, Allison is in Portland, Maine. She was on hold yesterday. Didn't get to her. I'm sorry about that. W-L-O-B. Allison, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Yeah, boy, that's a crazy story. Um, anyway, um, yeah. Well, what do you think about survive. that, though, while that we're on it? Well, you no, know, it's appalling, but at the same time, I'm kind of an absolutist about free speech. So if people want to say the, the nuttiest things, fine. It's, it's if they act on things is where it comes to, you know, 
you know. So, um, I, so what, you know, oh boy, you know. But um, anyway, I'm going to talk about Mr. Biden. You know, this thing, I mean, this sure. thing in Vietnam where it's some kind of pseudo press thing, press conferencing, and where he's just completely out of it. And the only time you even hear any clips of it is on the conservative radio shows. Otherwise, they just say he was in Vietnam and he was trying to right. do his foreign policy. And they won't show a video of it either. No. And he's saying, like he's saying, now I want, now I'm, I'm going to bed. He's asking for his staff to help. He, you know, um, I can't remember. This is the same day he dragged out the lying dog-faced pony soldier line again. I think, oh, you know, boy. which I just is unbelievable. And I mean, it's. I know this isn't going to happen, but it's, to me, it's. And I'm thanks. I'm glad Mr. McCarthy, you know, is trying to do something. But it seems to me that this is 25th Amendment. But I just, I know it's not going to happen. Right? Is that the right amendment to try to? Remove oh yeah, someone that's the one. Yeah. And maybe yeah. it will. You never know. I mean, yeah. I guess it, it's in bad form for Kamala Harris to do it, but she's got so much to gain by doing it. Mm. Right? If she were to yeah. dig deep and have some courage and, you know, I, I don't know how she would do it. But if, if I were in her position, maybe I would make a deal with somebody um, to, to be vice president, somebody that's really eager and say, look, um, you know, somebody from the cabinet and say, look, you I'll pick you as my vice presidential running mate if, if you, you know, will run in 24 but we'll kick him out right now. Help me to become president and let's do it. And she'd be smart for trying to do that. And I think she'd have the support of a lot of people because right now all the polls, it's like 70 something percent. These are Democrats they're, they're polling because Republicans are already don't like the guy. They're saying Biden's too old. You turn on MSNBC and Joe Scarborough saying every conversation that we're having is that Biden's too old. And that's putting it mildly. You know, I look at this and I see somebody, my dad had dementia. I see the same stuff that Joe Biden does, so much of it. I see my dad in him. I really do. And it's scary. And it makes me think, my God, my dad couldn't be left alone. <laughs> he was a danger to himself. So, you know, Joe Biden's running our whole country. Not good, no bueno. I think you make an excellent point there, Allison. We're going to get to the rest of your calls straight ahead. Big shout out to WLOB and the number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. So this college professor, Stephen Kirshner, he he actually wasn't fired from he was reassigned. He's still getting his full paycheck because he's tenured. He's complaining because he wants to be back in the classroom in front of students. Around the young people. Now, I understand that presumably most college students are usually adults, but um, freshman students are sometimes 16 or 17 if they're really smart or depending on when their birthday is. 
So I wouldn't want my kid around that guy. Now, of course, you, you could tell your kid, hey, don't take a class with the creepy weirdo. Uh, but I, I don't support stifling the guy. Let him write his books and let him peddle his wares and we can have the public debate. But if you're actually around somebody's kid, that to me is not good, right? I mean, that's just my thought on it. Anyway, let's uh, <clears throat> let's go to the phones. Boise, Idaho, K-B-O-I, Paul. You're on with Rich Valdez. Thanks for taking my call. You know, that's, yes, sir. That's disturbing, that, that's disturbing that the college professor is, he's trolling for a new victim, it sounds like. Yep. And he, and he's, he's um, what would be known as a hebophile and not necessarily a pedophile. A hebophile is, is one that likes. Post-pubescent. The, yes, just before they turn into a teenager. And so um, they're they're just looking, and they're t- they, that's what they're doing is they're trolling for new victims, and that's what they be. There's Disgusting. there's no love involved. Um, there's an age difference, probably of at least ten years between what he sounds like he's attracted to, and and to what he's going to be around. And uh, you know it's unfortunate, but it, I'm glad you brought that topic up because it's it's not discussed. Because it's disgusting to talk about. Yeah. Um, and so it's never discussed. But the, right. the problem is by not discussing it, you don't shine the light in those dark corners that need to have that light shined on them. Yeah, they and, say daylight uh, is the best disinfectant. It, it is. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, I'm glad to be on, like I said, but, you know, we've got Hunter, Hunter Biden's got three different... Uh, sides to his gun charges and of course you know biden his father has already said twice on different different locations and times that he would not pardon his son right now i find it hard to believe that he's not going to pardon his son if he's found guilty on those charges i'm with you paul i i think uh i think you're right i i do believe that he you know, we don't know if he can or not, but that doesn't mean he won't try. And, and again, it, it is his right to, to do that as president if, if he's still in office. And that's part of why I, I think they should push him out so that we can maybe get a little bit of justice here. But uh, I think you're right. I think, you know, his last day in office, he says, hey, look, I'm not running. Kamala's going to be your president or I run. I, his, I think his plan is to run and win and then hand it over to Kamala. And, you know, bow out gracefully and say, oh, by the way, on my last day, I'm, I'm pardoning everybody. Future crimes, present crimes, past crimes, we're, we're good. And try to ride off into the sunset. I don't know if it's going to work. I hope that it doesn't. But it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Because lamentably, these guys, the lawmakers, senators, congressmen, uh, they write the laws. And uh, just like Mike Davis pointed out earlier today, that they have these senatorial rules where, you know, the the U.S. attorney, the, the U.S. marshal, everybody in that district where their home state is, they get first dibs on picking the person. So obviously they're picking people that are favorable to them so that they never get in trouble. And I mean, if you want to talk about a rigged system, how's that for a rigged system? I mean, that's that's as rigged as it comes. So, uh, you know, I think you're, you're right on that one, Paul. And I appreciate the call from Boise, Idaho, KBOI. Now, there was another story I wanted to bring up, and we're going to get to the rest of your calls in a moment. Uh, but in Denver, there is a homeless camp, and it features a pop-up bar, 
with rentable prostitution tents. Yeah. It's a decked out open air tavern for the homeless that also rents out tents for prostitution. It's popped up in downtown Denver, according to the police there. It's a pop-up speakeasy, which features lounge chairs, umbrellas, uh, and AstroTurf. And it's taken over the sidewalk at 23rd Street and Champa Street. And the city's growing homeless population is now turned into an encampment. And I'm looking at a picture of it. It looks like they have a deck and everything. It's probably a rug, but they've got like a deck chair out there and and a, a dresser with lots of bottles. I mean, it looks like an actual bar. It's crazy, and there's a camping tent right behind it in what looks like a parking lot. This place is a dump. Uh, One of the people uh, in the area uh, reported this, and uh, Denver Police Chief Aaron Sanchez told CBS Colorado, we're hearing that there was an open-air bar and sales of alcohol. So we have officers looking into that. I mean, come on. That's one of the strangest calls you've heard. The only other place things like this are happening Right on the streets of New York City in Washington Heights, things are insane, especially in the summer. They literally close down the streets. They bring out wireless speakers, and they just have a full-blown backyard party on the sidewalk in front of a building. It's, it's absolute insanity. So they're renting out tents for prostitution. I mean, this is just the craziest thing I've ever heard. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, if it's because it's a tent, are they giving the homeless people a discount? Where are they getting this money? Are they trading the alcohol and drugs for 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 prostitution how does this work unbelievable uh it really is and we go to the phones uh let's go to rachel in meadville pennsylvania kdka rachel you're on with rich valdez go right ahead hi rich uh long time listener but i've never called before well, thank i just you for calling. wanted to real quick about that uh that professor who, you know, I, I can't, I can't in any kind of good conscience call him a gentleman or even a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he may say that, oh, he has free speech, which, yes, we all do have the First Amendment right to free speech. However, that doesn't protect you from the consequences of your speech. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, that's, that's something that, People claim all the time, I have free speech. Oh, yes, you do. However, you're not protected from the consequences of what you say. So many refrains come to mind. There's one, fool around and find out. There's another one, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Right? I mean, there's so many. And and you're right. You could say what you want, but ultimately, somebody's going to punch you in the face. And and, uh, that's an old Mike Tyson line, right? He said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. I, I, I'm not asking anybody to hurt anybody. I'm just saying this guy could say what he wants to say, but the minute he comes near somebody's kid, somebody is going to take action to protect their kid. And rightfully so, right? You, you just can't run around saying that, you know, sex with a 12-year-old is, is, is right. And, and it's not just wrong because it's criminal. It's wrong because our version of immorality is wrong. That's absolute insanity, Rachel. Yes, it absolutely is. Hey, I'm with you on that one. All right, folks. Uh, Rachel, thank you for your call. Meadville, Pennsylvania, KDKA. Thanks for the call. Call in anytime. I appreciate that. And we're going to take a quick pause right here, come back to the rest of your calls and wrap this thing up. And we're coming back tomorrow, but we're not done yet. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 4 Valdez. That's 833 482 
So it's past midnight on the East Coast in New York time, and I can tell you that, from my understanding, the United Auto Workers Union, the UAW, is now on strike. They uh, did not get their 40% increase that they were asking for. They uh, rolled back a little bit, and they said, you know what? We only want a 36% salary increase. They want to eliminate artificial intelligence from the manufacturing process of automobiles, and they were also looking for a 32-hour work week. So, in, in effect, you know, eight hours less of work. And with a 36% salary increase. And I got to say, you know, good for them if they get it. But it looks like they didn't get it. And the strike is underway. So, we'll, we'll keep you posted on how that unfolds. But that was uh, some breaking news from uh, earlier in this hour. And uh, let's go to Linda. She's in Albany, New York, WGDJ. Linda, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Thank you, Rich, for taking my call. Uh, You mentioned the book where it was uh, laid out what's going on. And one thing that started it all to me was when taxes were raised so high that it became harder and harder for women to um, be at home raising the children seeing mm-hmm. what was going on in the schools and the communities and uh, trying to keep a family-oriented culture going. Oh, you're right. So you raise taxes where now you need two incomes. And guess what happens when you do two incomes? You just doubled your tax base. So now you've got women in, in the workplace, men in the workplace. And who gets the kids? The creepy professor gets the kids, right? And everybody that he's teaching to be creepy as well. And all of a sudden now you've got whether it's the Marxist left or, you know, people that are sanctioned by the government, they're the ones that are now raising your children. A caller earlier mentioned all of these policies that help to remove dads from the home. And when you look at the grand scheme of it, it's it's a work of art to destroy the family, to destroy the middle class, to destroy uh, the, 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 the cornerstone of society, which was the nuclear family. And we've had nothing but policy and bad policy after bad policy to help us get to that end. And it's sad. It's a very sad thing, Linda. Well, thank you, Rich. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for your call, Linda. I appreciate it. The music means that it's time for me to go for now. But I'll be back. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless. We'll do it all again tomorrow. And make sure you keep it locked right here. There's more programming up next. 
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.